Warning, the following contains audio of two good friends attempting to discuss music with no qualifications whatsoever. No one asked for this, but you're going to get it. There will be shitty hot takes, terrible opinions, and impressions done poorly. Listener discretion is advised. Wow, it has been 84 whole years. We have returned. I made the decision today that this is officially season two. And yeah, we're, we're ready to start off on a hot streak here. It is time, friends. Long waited, bated breath for music. Maria. And also Drake. Ta da! So yeah, we were thinking about having like this giant spiel about where we've been and what we've done, but that's kind of not the point. So we are here. We're glad to enter your ear holes again. It has been a while, bud. How how you been? I mean, I'm pretty exhausted overall, just life in general. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure the travel's still catching up with me, but yeah, it's uh, just day by day, trying to get back. Not even better. It's just where I've been recently, so it is what it is. How about you? I'm in the same boat. I think we've both been traveling here, there, and everywhere. You were in Pennsylvania. I have been multiple places over the last couple of weeks, which is why, you know, we have fun things coming up this season here for you. Lots of things in the can, lots of things that did not get edited as of now because of said travel, but we're here. We're thriving. Uh, back at the Brood Book here in Davenport, Iowa, I have a biscotti chocolate chip. It's very dense, very structurally integrity deed. Yes, that. All right, so for my personal edification, what is a biscotti? It's like an Italian cookie. It's typically long. It's typically kind of crusty, but like it's like a, it's got a good heft. It's like a it's like you want to touch it. <laughs> I'm commenting. He's touching my biscotti. Yeah. That was my worry. It's very hard. It feels like a scone. Yeah, I guess, and I might get this wrong. So sorry to all Italians that may or may not be listening to this. But I guess the reason why biscottis are so like hard and firm is because you're supposed to dip them into your coffee and then eat them. So I've not gotten to that point yet. But that's the reason for their hardness. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I'm not a coffee person. So that's, it's probably just a a no-go for me personally. Yeah, because I, I know you're trying to stay away from caffeine as a whole. So like hot chocolate kind of maybe is off the table a little bit too. Just a little bit. It's not even a caffeine thing. I just never liked how coffee tasted. I just never got it. That was one of those things. <laughs> Everybody drinks coffee. And I'm just like, yeah. Sometimes I wish I didn't. It's a terrible sickness, a terrible addiction, crippling even. But I'm having a great time. I have a mocha in a pretty sturdy mug. This is a nice looking mug. Like this is made with intention. It's like a nice cream color. doesn't have any quirky things, but you know, it's just like a nice, good, solid mug. I appreciate it. So anyways, <laughs> back to what we're here for. Um, we are talking about some EPs. I know we said this probably a million years ago that we were doing this, but we're here now. We're doing the deal. I had to re-listen to it because I'd listened to it initially like a million years ago when we were like, hey, do this. And so I re-listened to it today and I'm actually kind of glad because I feel like I liked it more on the second listen than I did initially. Not to say that I didn't like it the first time, but like I found new things and like new nuances. So I'm excited to bring that commentary that I probably wouldn't have had before to you. That's actually, that's how I listen to these albums. Usually I usually do it about three times over because I'm the type of listener that's like, I can't get it from the first listen, like the entire thing. And then like by the third listen, you kind of figure out all these little 
pockets of things that you didn't even hear before. It's really nice. Uh, it's kind of like going back and watching a sitcom over and over again. You're like, oh, I never caught that joke. And so, yeah, that's how I normally listen to the album. But I'm glad you did, too, because this is a, a very, very fun album. and a, Well, an EP, excuse me, and a band that I've been wanting to give you for a while. So um, did you just want to head into your comments on it yeah but first i did kind of want to give the people a little life update i know that we had talked about that because we don't have a, a mini game today folks sorry about that but yeah just kind of wanted to talk about things that we've been up to in the time that we've been away been to detroit i've been to indiana i just got back from san francisco uh 3 a.m this morning and yeah just a lot of crazy fun things also i went to a concert myself in the same place that you've seen Coheed and Cambria there in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, it's a really great venue. I've seen Machine Gun Kelly there as well. But I went to see Youngblood, who is a Machine Gun Kelly adjacent friend. And so, therefore, he's a friend of mine. <laughs> great performer, great musician, just an incredible voice. And, like, the nicest human, too. Like, I love supporting people who not only make good art, but are just genuinely good people. Like, after the show, after every show... He'll like just go hang out by his bus and you can go hang out with him. And so I was tired, so I did not do that this time around. But the first time I seen him, I did do that. And it was very cold. So I appreciated him hanging out in the cold with us. Just a great human. Was that the one in Canada? That was not the one in Canada, but that's also another Machine Gun Kelly adjacent person. <laughs> Many people in the Machine Gun Kelly extended universe. <laughs> Speaking of which, oh my gosh. Okay, I wasn't planning to talk about this, but I just got a brain blast a la Jimmy Neutron, a la That's So Raven. I just had a moment where I was like, ah, yes. I have more things to share with you about the Dr. Dre extended universe that I found out. Uh, and I was unaware of this just as a hip-hop fan myself, so I'm constantly excited when I find out new things about hip-hop myself that I did not even know. And, like, if this is something that is general knowledge and people will be like, you should have known it. Shut up. Just let me enjoy things. Let me enjoy the discovery of new things that I did not know prior. So, basically, I know, I think it was in the, no, it was both in the Tupac episode and in the 50 Cent episode, how we were talking about your affinity for Mr. Nate Dog, also affectionately referred to as just Mr. Dog. And so, I found out that um, on another song that he was on pretty prominently, with a fellow rapper named Warren G. It's a song called Regulate. Very good. Top tier song. I found out that him, Warren G, and uh, Dr. J were all like related in some sort. Like, I'm going to Google it real quick just to make sure I don't butcher it because, you know, I stay not having that long term memory. But I just found it really awesome because, like, we make jokes about like Dr. J kind of having a pot in every pocket of hip hop for the most part and being super influential, but just seeing this stuff like tangibly and learning about it in person. Cause of course I'd be listening to 60 songs that explain the nineties by Rob Harvilla and that man just be educating me on so many things. So I was like, this is incredible. So I'll go ahead and let you talk about some of the stuff that you've been up to while I verify this information. All right. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I mean, life's just, it's been pretty normal for me. I don't, I'm not running around wrestling like you are as much anymore, which is totally fine. But yeah, I just came back from a trip back home, which uh, uh, started out <laughs> brutal because my flight actually got canceled heading out to New York. I was supposed to go see a baseball game, the Mets at Yankees, because I've never been to Yankee Stadium before uh, for the 20 some years I've lived out there. I never made it up there somehow, but it got canceled because of weather and the quickest they could get me out there was um 
like 10 o'clock at night and the game would have already been over by that point so it would have been no reason to go out there but regardless I had to be on the phone with Southwest for the last hour of my train ride up to Chicago because I had to figure out because there's no reason for me to go to New York if I'm not going to the baseball game so I had to reroute myself to Baltimore thankfully they didn't charge me for it but I had to really work for the no charge um, because it wasn't their fault either and I understood it but yeah, like it was, I just did not go to see the baseball game, but I had a good time regardless. I would say the the funniest part of it was that Justin Verlander was pitching for the Mets, and he just got traded. So I'll literally never see Justin Verlander pitch as a Met, probably ever, because I mean, he's probably going to retire after this contract. But one way or another, yeah, I mean, the trip was good. I was able to do some top golf. I was able to do some thrifting and go to some bookstores, which I mean, this book right here, which I will show Maria is one I got from there, which was like 10 bucks for this really nice hardcover. So yeah, I had a good time overall. And the trip back was fine. Tiring. Uh, it was because I, I got in at 830 in the morning and I had to stay at like in Chicago at Union Station for uh, six hours until my train ride at two in the afternoon. And I know most people would probably want to saunter around the city, but I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I don't like Chicago. I don't like walking around it. The only thing it's good for is getting me to places, which I wish I could go a different place to go to places personally. But yeah, so I just kind of sat at Union Station. I walked around. What did I do? Yeah, I walked around Midway once. I took the train over to the train station. I walked around Union Station once, and then I just kind of sat around and watched baseball or whatever. I just tried to pass the time. But yeah, overall it was fine. I had a good time out there. So that was... Uh, my experience, uh, as you put it, touching grass, which I thought was a very negative thing at first until we talked about it. I am not keeping up with slang as the old man that we have already established that I am. Yes, you're confirmed a 70-year-old man who just likes to sit in his house and play Sudoku and watch Shark Tank. And I love that for you. It's fantastic. You know, I think we all have to have a friend like you who like, just grounds us and is like, hey, what about Shark Tank? What about these pitches, though? And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> Absolutely. Before I get into verifying my information, which is correct, by the way, I'm not full of shit. Congrats to me. I think it's really funny that you say that because you were just talking about as well when we were having the conversation about touching grass, about learning about the Riz. And I said, oh, my gosh, do you have the Riz? And you just, I have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea. So I just want to know, just from first glance, from your very limited knowledge of what you think it is, and then I will happily inform you. I just want to see like where the discrepancy is on, on what, what's going on here. So this was born out of a video that my brother sent me, which I'm surprised that he knew what the hell this meant either, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I think he also might have gotten it from context, but like the video was... Um, <laughs> it's... It, <laughs> <laughs> the video is the guy has a dog and he like walks it by the lady and he like the lady's like oh great dog and then he's like <laughs> literally verbatim was like do you want to suck my ca and then it cuts off there so i'm assuming it has something to do with either that or just picking up women in general because there's a lot of stupid words now that mean what old words meant and it's very confusing for me as an adult why are we inventing new words when we already have words for these words okay so i think you you definitely understand the spirit of it but the riz is basically just like the idea to to like pick up chicks like your charisma your wooing power your prowess and quote-unquote getting the bitches <laughs> yes so like I, this is an audio-only podcast, so I'm going to attempt to describe this to you, the listener, while I am performing this in front of Drake. But it's like those 
those fuck boys on TikTok that like lick their lips and they're like and they're like doing this like like they're rubbing their chin and they're like nodding their head suggestively and they're like yeah like they're just trying to put the riz on like and so like when something goes by really smoothly you're like you hit like you know a good pass at somebody you're like man you got the riz like that's w riz right here and w means win so it's, you know lots of lots of things going on here so Riz is a verb and like also a noun. They are left with the riz. As far as I know, I think that's the context. Like the riz can be like an actual concept of like charisma, nerve and talent to woo the women. And then it's also a quality like you got the riz. Top tier riz here. So there you go. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I never said thank you. (laughs) You are learning all of this against your will (laughs) live here on the podcast. (laughs) while we're on this subject because i think you might know i have also heard the term cap and i have no idea what the hell that means either like one of our friend one of our mutual friends alonzo said that to me one day and i was like what the fuck are you talking about alonzo i have no idea what you just said to me i'm just casually dying it's i'm I'm, there are literal tears coming from my eyes it's incredible okay so cap means like to lie or to like like you're you're being untruthful right now. So when they say like cap, they, that means basically like you're lying to me right now, bro. Like stop lying to me. That's cap. Yeah. So so why why are you capping, Drake? Why what what are you capping about? All right. So Riz at least makes sense to me in the way that it's saving me time to say the word Riz as opposed to like charisma or something. Cap and lie have the exact same amount of syllables, so I don't understand <laughs> why this word exists. I was just looking for the origin because like it's just something that I just knew, but it's not anything that I've always thought of like where did this come from? So I'm Googling that right now. But basically like it can either be cap like you're lying or when you're telling somebody something and you're like no cap. That means like no lie. Like that's for shoot skis, like no cap. So like... I don't know exactly where it came from. I'm also just, there's lots of stuff going on. I'm going to probably have to pull up Urban Dictionary for this. But, you know, Google also says that it's to provide a fitting climax or conclusion to. So lots of different, you know, words and slang and such. Uh, Yeah, so you've been educated today. I feel like you're better for it. That makes one of us. Well, that was enlightening. Before we waste too much time, goodness, and get into these albums about Dr. Dre and how he relates to Nate Dogg and Warren G and all of this stuff, they actually had a rap group together. It wasn't necessarily like Dr. Dre in the group, but the group was called 213. It comprised of Snoop Dogg, who is in the Dr. Dre Extended Universe, Warren G, who is in cahoots with Nate Dogg, and of course, Mr. Dog himself. And so, this is going to be a water's wet situation. I apologize if this is, you know, obvious to fans of hip-hop. But, you know, people have similar names all the time, and I don't think much of it. But Nate Dog is actually related to Snoop Dogg. Yeah, they are cousins. And I was like, holy shit. And so, Nate Dog was friends with Warren G. And Warren G is a stepbrother to Dr. Dre. Ba, 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 ba. Crazy. So, uh, yeah, I think it was Dr. Dre's mom who married Warren G's dad. So then they became... So then Warren G actually introduced Snoop Dogg to Dr. Dre. 
And that's how they found out about Snoop Dogg. And look at that. It's just a little sort of full circle moment. That's wholesome. This sounds like a Modern Family episode almost. It needs to be. <laughs> this is incredible. So yeah, I just feel like you would appreciate that. Knowing you, you had an affinity for Mr. Dogg. Both Snoop and Nate. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, we'll catch up. Grab a snack. We'll talk about these albums now, we promise. We'll be back. All right, so now that I got some new vocabulary under my belt, uh, we can start talking about some music here while uh, Maria is dipping her biscotti into her coffee, which we'll have to get the update on that one. But we will be talking about uh, some EPs today, and this is a band that I've been excited to show uh, Maria since we started this because I love soil work. They have been one of my favorite recent finds uh, lately, up there with Pliny as well. They're just very, very good. And um, the past four things that they released five something like that i think are just so so good like they were really good before that but like they really found their stride unfortunately the guitarist that i think had a huge part in this passed away last year i think it was due to like alcohol abuse or something like that um which was very unfortunate but uh, i mean his legacy is going to live very long with these albums because i think he really helped reinvent soil work from kind of just the melodic death metal band to like metalcore like classic metal um even progressive metal because this album has their longest song to date which should shock no one why i picked this one <laughs> because this is uh the opening track and the uh which is the title track a wisp of the atlantic is about 16 and a half minutes which is great but yeah this album came out in uh 2020 which i think shares a similarity to the one you gave me since i'm pretty sure the one you told me was written during COVID as well but either way yeah i'm very excited to hear what you think absolutely and now i'm actually very sad that you told me the guitarist passed away because he was one of my favorite parts of this whole ep like i really enjoyed his guitar work throughout yeah this entire ep was just really blew me away but yeah i guess i'll kind of start from the beginning then and i'll loop myself around here with my notes yeah i was uh, and i hate using this term because i feel like i use it every episode and i sound like a broken record every goddamn time believe me i hate myself too it's fine I am surprised, again, with the length of this song at the beginning, but I will explain. I'm not surprised that it's 16 minutes. In fact, this is kind of something that I've expected at this point. If it's not over 10 minutes, is it really a prog song? That's what I say. But I just, I guess I wasn't expecting it to be the intro song. Yeah, because I think, at least in my experience with these albums that you've given me as we went along, there's like an easement period. Like, the intro song is like fairly by prog standards fairly short like five or six minutes whatever have you cool but yeah when i noticed the song was just about like six minutes i was like whew, all right uh but i did enjoy it nonetheless i really thought that it did a really good job with like storytelling not just so much in the lyrics but just the entire composition as a whole because while i do enjoy a good lyric i also just enjoy everything else that kind of surrounds it and supports it so i had noticed that with the beginning it was a little bit or orchestral orchestral Yes, nailing it. And that definitely fell right into your wheelhouse. So I was like, okay, I understand. I understood that reference. <laughs> so yeah, I enjoyed that. But then like immediately it started to kick in. And there were so many different facets of like prog that I am beginning to notice all in like just this one song. So that was really cool. It was like an Easter egg hunt for different prog elements. So I found that really enjoyable because like, there was the orchestral intro with like the big epic sounding 
instrumentals and then we had the gentleman i need to learn these gentlemen's names what's the lead singer what's his name his name is uh bjorn strid his nickname is speed all right bjorn speed yeah he had a very theatrical voice which yeah again fits in the wheelhouse you know it reminded me of our good friends over at opeth it reminded me of a couple of the songs we listened to on our way to between the buried and me yeah all those violence and bloods and you know silence and whatever have you those guys (laughs) yeah are you talking about god of the cold white silence yes those guys. <laughs> I was like, I know they're, they're, they're words here. That was the uh, the song name for uh, Three Inches of Blood. Yes, correct. So it definitely had a nice callback to those, and those were some things I was able to notice and be like, yeah, I get that point for me. But then also it just started to get really heavy into like the other heavier elements of prog with like the drums, the guitar, a little bit more of like the screaming vocals. And even in that song, I want to say towards like the back half, I want to say maybe two thirds in, there's a point where he just hits like a scream, but it's like an 80s, like hair metal-y kind of scream just for a second. But I'm like, we are just throwing all the elements in here, making a fucking prog gumbo, I guess, <laughs> where he just hit the yeah. And I was like, good for you. I'm having a great time. There's a lot going on here, as there typically is, but I appreciated it. Yeah. And I will say for, I, I think I might have mentioned this at the start, but I don't remember if I did. This is unusual for solo work. They're usually in the like four to five minute range for their songs, but that was like this guitarist that passed away. That was what his like biggest thing I thought to the band was. They really like pushed themselves way farther than they ever did. Cause I mean, before that, every song was maybe six minutes or less. So yeah. And then they have another one on the last album that they did that was like eight minutes. So it's a very recent thing, which I, I unfortunately don't think is going to be around. Yeah, you did mention at your intro for this that this is the longest song that they had ever done. So that definitely gave me the vibe, especially with how long the other songs in the EPs were. I, I got that vibe, which, again, is so sad to hear about this guitarist because I really enjoyed in this song, the intro song specifically, how we had hit all these things, hit all this heaviness, hit all these theatrics, hit all these instrumentals, and then we kind of just slowed to like a lull. And then it was like a nice, like serene, oceany kind of scape with just like little twingy bits of the guitar. And I'm like, this is nice. Like I've been just taken on a whole ass journey and the album is only starting. So I did enjoy it, but it kind of reminded me of like a wrestling show when the opener is like half an hour throwing all the falsies at the world. And you're like, this is great. This is quality wrestling. I'm enjoying this, but this is all the first match. So I was like, okay, (laughs) here we go for the rest of the album. I did enjoy. And you can tell me if this is kind of in like their specific sound as they are. Are they typically like a like a weird like genre bending type of people or are they just like someone who like knows what they do well and kind of sticks to that like they know where their bread is buttered do they try are they adventurous what's what's the tea I would say they're pretty adventurous that was um I keep bringing it up but like it is very vital to that guitarist uh he came on the panic broadcast I think is his first album that he did with these guys and like ever since then you could really tell that they were trying different things because for the longest time they were pretty much a uh, a typical melodic death metal metalcore band from like uh, what was the album before that no he came on and sworn to the great divide that's it and then the album before that was figure number five and like prior to that they were pretty basic in their ways so like i attributed a lot to him like they really 
upended a lot of genres from that point onward and they it's it's really great that's one of the reasons i love them so much because they're so eclectic in the later years um not to say that anything beforehand was bad either because natural born chaos and predator's portrait steel bath suicide these are all great albums but like you know they're they're just melodic death metal albums they're just metalcore albums and like like you said on these albums they're very adventurous like they go from like power metal to like 80s hair metal and like really heavy stuff and it's just really all over the place but they really found like a good groove i think for sure i was asking because for the next song which is feverish uh, it started with like a whole ass synth and so i was so confounded i even spelled synth wrong if you want to take a look I was just so gobsmacked. I was like, what is this? But I enjoyed it. It was so fun because I like weird shit, <laughs> basically, to put it, put, it, put it pretty bluntly. I was looking forward to the song being a little bit more weird, but unfortunately, it was kind of just like that intro in the synth, and then they went to like their typical guitar and drum pattern, which I almost thought sounded a little bit like Pantera a tad bit. It's funny you mention that because... Oh, I can't remember all three of the bands, but uh, the vocalist Bjorn has said that at least two of them are Mashuga and Pantera. Like, if these bands weren't around, then Soil Work wouldn't be around, so that's a good call. Heck yeah. I'm observant. I do things. <laughs> so yeah, I did enjoy the song. I enjoyed the chorus. It was very catchy. I found myself bobbing with it. But yeah, I think the only thing I would have said note-wise for this song is that just more weird. Like, give me more weird synths for no reason. Just, you know, if you're going to go 80s hair metal and also, like, slowly serene in one song, like, what's stopping you from adding more synths? Why not? <laughs> so, enjoyed it, though. I really think, too, that this band is great at creating an ambiance, especially with just, like, the first few seconds of their songs. Because intro was great with the orchestra. Feverish was great with the weird-ass synth. And then the next song, Desperado, we just went in for it. Like, we just went ham. And I appreciated that because this is probably where I fell in love with the guitar most. Because man was just shredding for his life. Like, rent was due. He was running from the law. <laughs> so I, I would say Desperado was probably my favorite song on this EP, which is funnily enough, the shortest song. I found ver that very interesting. I was like, hmm, because I do find myself more akin to like the longer songs now because that's what I expect. So I guess this was the opposite end of that spectrum where this song was only like three minutes, but it was just him just going hard for three whole minutes. And that's talent. So good for him i am happy you picked that song as your favorite i still think the the title track's my favorite personally but desperado is very good it was like the th second track released when they were kind of because th this ep kind of came together i think by accident because they like released the song here they released the song there and then at one point they were like ask her let's just put it all together i'm pretty sure that's how it went but yeah i'm glad to hear you really like that i wanted to mention too like you were talking about how good the guitars were if you ever get the time, the drummer does like playthroughs on YouTube. They are absolutely incredible because as much as I like the old drummer, this new drummer is a student of the old guy. And I think he's better than him, honestly. And like when you watch him play, he's just so effortless. It looks like he's trying to remember if he left his fridge on half the time. And he's just so good. He is so good. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. That's incredible. What's his name? If I have it right, it's uh, Bastian Thuzgard. Such Swedish names. This is incredible. This is my favorite. God bless Sweden. They know what they're doing out there. But yeah, I'll definitely check that out because I think the instrumentation above all else 
was my favorite just in this entire project. Like I was so engaged with it from start to finish. And like, like I said, the peaks and the valleys, the times when we would get really slow and serene to the times we would kick some ass and put some heaviness. And even for Desperado, cause I love using my caps <laughs> in one of my notes, I put shits on, <laughs> so, you know, it is. It, it, confirmed. <laughs> And yeah, uh, for the ending title, it was such like a metally title, <laughs> the nothingness and the devil. And of course, me being like, what does that even mean? <laughs> but sure. <laughs> and so I did think that this is more of along the vein of them not trying to reinvent the wheel. This is just them being consistent. But I did notice and I'm not sure if this was intentional. I think it was for them. But it seemed like very much like a bookend. Like the same tone that the first song took. It was like instrumental, heavy, heavy, and then low at the end. And I noticed within like the last 30 seconds of this song, being the last 30 seconds of the entire EP, it kind of left me with like a, <sighs> like that was great. Like you had taken me on this journey, kick some ass, and now I can nap. And I, I think that's really awesome because to people that maybe might not listen to metal, that's not something that they would imagine. Like, they don't imagine you listening to a metal album and being like, that sounds great. I'm going to go do some yoga now. Like, <laughs> like so well, this is us breaking stereotypes, giving people the tea. Yeah, I definitely think this is a fun little EP to give anybody because it's only about 35 minutes. So very accessible, very easy to get through. And yeah, I, I appreciate it. And if it's daunting at 35 minutes, just know that you could probably skip the first track if you want. I highly recommend against it, but then it's just 15 minutes. So if you need something even smaller, go for it. But I'm just glad you really enjoyed it overall because I think it is the best thing that they've ever done. This whole EP is just so good, which says a lot because the album afterwards and the album right before it, yeah are super good too but yeah i'm just glad i was able to send them your way finally yes i'm all for learning about new things new swedish friends you know send me all the swedes i'll take all of them thank you so yeah thanks bud all right and we are back we are doing another two-time edition for drake selection on this fine day to the surprise of no one because if you're surprised you obviously haven't been here for long enough <laughs> and you obviously don't follow me on instagram today drake will be talking about the lockdown sessions from mr machine gun kelly also released in 2020 well technically and i'll put this as a little asterisk technically this stuff was recorded and released in 2020 but he didn't actually release this as like a whole collection like a whole ep until later because fans demanded it basically the way that this whole project had came together was obviously covid nobody could leave their houses nobody was doing anything and him being not only restless but a restless creative he decided to just make these songs in his house and there was one that did not make the cut but that was probably in part because it was suggested to him by marilyn manson and marilyn manson isn't really the most liked person at the moment probably forever so he opted not to include that one in this EP, but he did four of them and three made it on the EP. So I don't mean to cut you off, but so you said Marilyn Manson suggested that he put a fourth song on there and he was like, no, no, no. During the COVID series, there, it was like a YouTube series, basically, that these like songs were on. And so he just uploaded them on his YouTube channel. So Colson, Mr. Machine Gun Kelly, in the video, he like screen records him like facetiming with marilyn manson and he just tells marilyn manson hey give me a song to sing 
and Marilyn Manson gives him a song to sing. And it was great. It was fantastic. It was Rihanna's Love on the Brain. He killed it. But also because Marilyn Manson suggested it, he's like, I don't think I'm gonna put this on my EP because this guy kind of sucks now. So, yeah. But the other three were great. I'd love to hear your thoughts on them. And yeah, with all this in mind, what did you think? So I can say immediately, uh, as people that lived during COVID, I thought he captured the atmosphere of it very well. Like it was melancholy and kind of dreary and it almost felt rainy. I, I don't know how else to describe that. Like it was like a, a rainy day when he wrote all of this, which I thought was really neat. So that immediately grabbed me from the first song. I can't, I can't say, unfortunately, I didn't care for the first song too much because I thought the lyrics were, it's just, you know, that's not for me at the end of the day. There were a lot of lines where I just kind of, uh, the whole time and yeah, just the song, the song itself too was just kind of like, like a rap song. Does that make sense? Like it just wasn't anything like crazy on the other end. Oh, yeah. I had no doubts that you would not enjoy the first song. That's why I was just nodding. I was like, yeah, because to those who don't know, the song is basically just about smoking weed, a lot of weed, all of the weed during COVID. But also there's a lyric. <laughs> I'm, it's just it's so out of pocket. I'm like, why are why are we doing this? But it's him. He just loves to, you know, be out of pocket. Sometimes he talks about blessing people on their faces. And you can kind of make the assumption as to what that's alluding to. And I'm like, we're just having a silly, goofy time in COVID. So, yeah, I'm not surprised by all. Uh, I don't know what it says about me that he does this song on tour sometimes and I just get so high for it. I'm like, I love this song so much. But maybe that's because I also partake. So, like, maybe that's a little bit for me than it is for you. But, yeah, go ahead and continue. Yes, and not surprised at all. (laughs) No, it's okay. Yeah, the bless your face line was where i really checked out the song personally because uh i mean i'll leave that to the scholars at yale to decipher that metaphor because i'm not going to go into it here but yeah it was uh grotesque is the word i'm looking for (laughs) but regardless i can say even though it started off on kind of a mediocre foot for me the rest of it was great i really enjoyed it the second song um which let me find the name of it pretty toxic revolver great actually that might be my favorite song on the whole thing uh because the chorus is very catchy i think i mentioned in the past where it's like it's hard for me to sing along to a lot of the songs i feel like i'm given you know because a the lyrics sometimes just don't set with me right but also (laughs) i'm a white guy and like a lot of these words i can't really say so it's hard for me to sing along and like this one was very nice because it was uh what was it? it was pretty toxic revolver heavy conscience was the whole chorus pretty much it's just the way he sings it like you can really hear because you had mentioned to me in the past that he was a huge chester bennington fan and like you can really hear it in his voice a lot of times and i think like that song in particular like you could hear it pretty well and just that chorus was super catchy in general so i i, I really enjoyed that song and the third song which is in these walls parentheses my house featuring paris with a v which is that right okay and that was wasn't that because you told me there was a like a a rock or metal band that helped him out is that the one that you were talking about yeah they basically he took a sample from their song called my house and the chorus from that song he put as the chorus for his song so like he came up with the beat and the lyrics but he basically just sampled the the chorus from my house by paris into that song and then he kind of overlaid his vocals on top of it too which i thought was really well done and he did the same thing for Pretty Toxic Revolver. He 
sampled uh, some of Shawn Mendes' vocals because Shawn Mendes did a song called Mercy. It, that was the humming bit where he's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, that's Shawn Mendes. And he just basically sampled that as part of his beat. So I think what I love about hip hop too, and I don't think we've ever touched on this on the pod before, is that hip hop often takes samples and inspiration from different songs and they'll incorporate them into their own songs to kind of put their own spin on things. And I think that's really great. So I think these two songs are a great example of like what samples can do for a song. Even if like you are doing majority of it, like beat, lyrics, whatever, but having that extra little bit of stuff, I think. Because the chorus on In These Walls is really powerful. So yeah, definitely. So uh, so the chorus or like the part that has the lady vocalist that's from paris then okay perfect well she has a really nice voice overall because i thought i thought she was just part of the track like as a guest spot because there are a lot of guest spots in rap yeah that's something very uh idiosyncratic to rap because that doesn't really happen a whole lot in metal at least not the metal that i listen to so that's actually really cool because yeah that was actually one of my favorite parts about it was the uh the chorus that the lady singer sung because i I don't know. I, I like listening to a, a lady sing. I think they sing really well. So it uh, puts me at ease. So I thought she did a great job or she did a great song and a great job in the song that she did as well as being sampled in this song. Basically, everyone's doing a great job. Everyone did great and everyone did a great job. Thank you. <laughs> but as we've mentioned many a time before, and as you mentioned, like with the album that I gave you, the orchestral stuff, there was a lot like a a nice little orchestra swell in the background throughout the whole song. And like I said at the beginning, like the atmosphere was really good. I thought that really brought it up. And there was even like a little piano thing that did, did he do the piano? I believe so. Question mark. Cause he does play piano. He's a very talented gentleman. So I would not say no, but I also have to go back and listen to it again. So yeah, not out of the realm of possibility for sure. Yeah. Cause you were talking about that with the soil work, like feeling very satisfied by the end of it and like being soothed to the end. Like I thought the piano did a good job with that. I mean, we've talked at length too about how important intros and outros are and like to be able to feel satisfied by the end of it is a very important thing for bands that I, I just, I don't think they do that well. Cause like there needs to be like a, at least for me, there needs to be like a little cool down. Cause like, you know, I give you soil work and it's just heavy, heavy, heavy the whole way through. And it's like, we get a nice little cool down. And it's like, you know, he's rapping, he's doing some really neat beats and stuff. And it's like, okay, I got a nice cool down, you know, it's very satisfying. I just don't think a lot of bands do it, which is unfortunate because I think there's so much good that's gained from it to get that nice little peaceful resolution. But, and plus I just love the piano. There's a reason I'm learning it because it's just such a nice instrument. It sounds so nice. But yeah, overall, I, I had a good time with it. Uh, it was very, uh, very short, which is a good thing, by the way. <sighs> Sometimes I just feel like, in general, people stay in one place for too long. And like, I listen, there's this random instrumental piece that I found just by random on Spotify that was like two minutes. And I'm like, this is one of the best songs I've ever heard. Cause it's just two perfect minutes. And what's this album or EP? It's, oh, it's not even nine minutes. So it's very uh, in and out. It's all good. And I enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I know. We talk about sometimes there being like a barrier to access for certain things or certain bands or certain artists. So I'm glad to hear that you also enjoyed this because, you know, people be having their opinions about Machine Gun Kelly all day, every day. So, yeah, just the fact that you're able to give it an objective chance and just like focus more so on the music than what public perception wants you to believe, I think is super important. So thanks for that. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I just... I don't tend to concern myself with 
how these people are as people in real life or what other people think of them because I don't know, we all have our skeletons, we all have our ghosts, so it's not a huge deal. But um yeah, I mean everything you've given me even uh gosh, you what'd you send me that one time? It was like a cover of Aerials by System of a Down or something like that. I thought he did a good job with that too. Like I mean, of course he doesn't sound like Serge Tankin, but no one sounds like Serge Tankin. So it's like I don't know, everything I've been given from him by you has been good, so Yeah, so from a fellow metalhead like yourself, you're like, he's all right with me. <laughs> Heck yeah. All right, well, thanks, bud. Boop. So basically, we went on this entire tangent about how I thought Rush was Bush, but my microphone didn't pick up any of it. For the sake of not really beating the joke with a dead horse, just know that that happened. And I'm dumb. <laughs> the microphone was not on. Basically, for Drake, I will go ahead and give him Lasers by Lupe Fiasco. After all, so I just explained this entire album at length. <laughs> so you're just going to have to come back next week and listen to my explanation in the intro. Because, yeah, I'm not, not doing that again. But yeah, it's a great album. Great human. Very intellectual. I feel like you'd enjoy it. I remember, too, if I'm not mistaken, shortly after this album came out, uh, he just like quit twitter and all social media he's like this is all dumb and stupid and i don't want to take part in it and i was like hell yeah like taking a stand and to this day i don't think he's been on social media so like he is very elusive but also like i said in the conversation that was not recorded <laughs> he's very introspective and very much taking a hard lens at society and how he feels about it so i hope you enjoy it well i'm happy to have been back here after like three weeks it felt like i think um, I think it was exactly, it felt like 84 years, as you said, but yeah, it was a long time. It was good to be back. Uh, it's good to talk music, but now we're moving on to next week of, uh, <laughs> season two, episode two. I guess we're doing seasons now, <laughs> but yeah, I had uh, thought of this one, this topic here when I was listening to an album that I have loved for a very long time. Um, and I finally found like a way to describe this album so we could talk about it. Uh, but it's an album inside of a band's discography that's really just not talked about enough. Uh, so kind of underrated in their own discography. Um, but this one will be our first foray into the band Rush, which I'm sure you're very familiar with them. I mean, everybody's heard Tom Sawyer at this point. But the album that I want to talk about, which is my personal favorite, which is a hot take in of itself, is called Snakes and Arrows. It was their uh, penultimate album, uh, the second to last that they had done. Um before they disbanded and Neil Peart unfortunately passed away. But yeah, I'm very excited to get your thoughts on that album. Awesome. Well, join us next week, friends. Back for season two. Back again at the Brood Book. And yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for allowing us back into your ear holes, into your hearts, into your minds. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Goodbye. Beep. There is so much middle ground between Russian Bush too. That's just amazing.